heartfelt welcome, whether you are a fitness professional, some kind of coach, or an everyday Jack or Jane looking for reliable wellness information, you have come to the right place. This is Better Than Fine, and I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. I'm a certified wellness coach and personal trainer with a master's degree in applied positive psychology. And if you're already a fan of the show, hopefully you're already subscribed. But if you haven't, go ahead and do that. If you are watching on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, be sure to leave us a review if you get a lot out of this episode. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. We like it likes. They let us know what content is resonating so that we know what we can bring you some more of. And if you've never been in the kind of persistent and lasting pain, some might even say chronic pain, that makes movement hard, difficult in some way in your life. It's difficult to describe what that is like and to frame how deeply it affects kind of every aspect of your day-to-day -day life. So imagine for a moment, you're 23 years old, you can't sit on a bicycle because if you do, it feels like your hip is going to start to slide out of the socket. Can't get up to go to the bathroom at night because you got to put sneakers on if you need to use the loo. Uh, and at that point, I'm talking about myself here in my life, I was sleeping with elbow with uh, towels wrapped around my elbows because if I moved wrong in my sleep, I'd impinge a nerve and it'd make my hands go numb. So the full story is a topic for another episode. The point really is this idea that when you're in that kind of persistent pain, it really does impact every aspect of your life. And really, you'll do anything. You will try anything to change it. And sometimes, you know, conventional Western medicine can be the answer. Sometimes, you know, you can treat the kind of pain or injury. There's these labelable problems with easy button solutions. You know, I tore a ligament in my ankle when I was 16 and the rehab for that was fantastic. It was straightforward, it healed well, boom. But we often think that the answers to the questions around pain and movement, we get this diagnosis, we think about it's one part of the body and then we address that one part of the body. But what happens if it doesn't work that way? That framing, that idea of it being a singular point of pain, a singular problem, it's not really a very holistic approach. So if I slam my thumb in a car door, but I can address that injured thumb, but what happens if I start to carry that whole arm oddly while it's healing? What if that then starts to affect my shoulder, my back, my neck, I start getting headaches? There's a lot of layers to how this can unfold in your life that start with movement and the balance in our body that affects our movement. And today I want to peel those layers back with our guest. Vinny Crispino is the founder of Pain Academy. I have long been an admirer of his work. Pain Academy is an online educational platform that helps people to learn about themselves in this way so that they can live a pain-free lifestyle. Vinny's a former D1 All-American athlete, and in his early 20s, he broke his back. So this story of mine has always resonated when he would share his about what it's like to be in your early 20s and be an athlete and have life just not unfold the way you expect. So after his years of pursuing a solution, he's learning about rehab to this life-changing injury. He found a lot of answers that I want to share with you today. 
He's an NASM certified corrective exercise specialist, as well as having other certifications in things like postural alignment, corrective exercise. And now he's an entrepreneur that helps other people move better and feel better. Vinny, welcome to Better Than Fine. I'm so excited to have you. It is so good to be here. That was an incredible introduction. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's just person to person. I have such resonance with your story. Can you talk about what it was like for you to go searching for answers and to struggle in that way? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to share that. So, you know, for me, the hardest part was the the context. It was the background. It was being a Division One collegiate athlete, having these moments really up until I broke my back, just feeling quite invincible, uh, not feeling like you're incapable of doing anything. And once I broke my back and, and shortly after that, it was just such a, not only was it a life-changing injury physically, but it was a life-changing injury mentally too. And it was a struggle on all accounts, physically and mentally trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work and trying to go through the mindset of once being feeling like you could do something to now all of a sudden feeling like you really have to cater yourself uh, and really limit what your what your body's able to do on a daily basis. So the the search was never ending. And why I loved your intro, you know, speaking about it's the little things, putting shoes on to go to the restroom in the middle of the night, having to fall asleep in a certain way, doing something specific like just riding a bike. These are things we don't think about often until we're kind of forced to think about them because we just don't feel good or there's consequences or there's there's outcomes from us not taking care of our body doing certain things. So this life-changing injury, it reframed everything. Going from being able to swim miles and miles, that was my sport, I was a swimmer, without having to think about it to now just second guessing, do I want to go walk up and down a, a flight of staircase? Yeah. You know, should I brush my teeth and take a shower in the same go at it? So then I don't have to get off the ground again. When you have these life-changing injuries, I mean, it completely changes how you view literally every single thing. Yeah. I resonate so deeply with that. I was a, I played rugby. So it's a clear oh, player. Yeah. And if you know anything about rugby, I played second row. So literally I'd smush my head between two other players' thighs. And my job was to drive the scrum forward so we could get possession. And obviously I tackled a lot. So my my sport, my job on the team was hitting 200-pound women as hard as I could. And as mm. you know, because I've shared with you privately that I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, I have hypermobility disorder. But I'd always been so strong because I'd always been an athlete that I didn't know that I had this thing that was making that hurt me. Like I literally thought everyone was in pain all the time until I was diagnosed. And that's when I was like, oh, you mean all of you are not just constantly suffering through everything you do? Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and on that level too, it was, you know, being a younger man in my early 20s, having to be so meticulously mindful about the way I cooked, the way yeah. that I cleaned, if I even did clean, that it it then launched me down this really big mental long-term struggle of seeing other people in their 20s, not having to think twice about any of these things, going to the gym and just going hard without any thought, no warm-ups, just literally doing whatever you wanted with your body. It just created such a big disparity between, uh, a big gap between where I was and where I felt like everybody else was. And uh, that was a really hard thing to deal with for a really long, uh, really long time. Yeah, I found it 
psychologically incredibly isolating. Like, you know, not to be too morbid here, but at the time it's, it's different now, but at the time people with hypermobility EDS, the high rates of depression and suicide because people mm -hmm. around them couldn't understand what it was like to live in a body that functioned differently than everyone else's and the pain would just overwhelm you. Um, so I relate with that a lot. The feeling of, I mean, as a trainer, as a personal trainer, feeling like I'm in the gym, I'm surrounded by other people my own age, they're all focusing on sexy fitness and I'm focusing on like, can I walk today? And the way that people treat you differently as a trainer because you function differently and, and move differently. You know, one yeah. thing that I've really admired about your work is, you know, the platform that you have built communicating around movement quality and posture and alignment, you know, so often in the, in the fitness and wellness spaces, we encounter this idea that you can't, you can't build a business. You can't sell fitness if you're not selling either performance or aesthetics. And that is not your focus at all. So can we talk a little bit about pain Academy? Talk to me about your work. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, I love what you just talked about, which, you know, you said everybody else was doing sexy training and I was just trying to function and get through the day. Uh, that's a really good entry point into the work that I do. So pain Academy is a method that helps you restore movement to your entire body. If you have knee pain, we're not going to do maybe what a physical therapist would do, which is give you exercises for the knee. We're going to look at what is your entire body doing around that knee? What are the ways that you're moving? What are the joints that have great movement? And also what are the joints that are not moving well? And what does that have to do with why you're experiencing the discomfort in your knee? So it is really a global way at approaching just the way that most people are moving and feeling. And it's all online. It's designed to be done at home where you're in the driver's seat. You're the one initiating on a daily basis this form and practice of taking care of, of your movement. It's, uh, it's, it's quite an incredible process. Yeah. And, and I, I greatly admire the amount of ownership that you create in the members, the people that you're working with. So this is Better Than Fine. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. And today we have Vinny Crispino from, let me try that one again, Vinny Crispino <laughs> from Pain Academy. And we're talking about posture. We're talking about alignment. We're talking about movement and the way in which all of those things can affect the body. And as I was saying, one of the things that I really appreciate about Pain Academy is you're really putting the onus, the knowledge, the driver's seat directly accessible to the person in the process, right? It's not this codependency mindset of, well, you keep paying me for sessions and I'll keep telling you what to do. It's here's a set of tools, apply them in your life. Can you speak to a little bit why that's the avenue that you wanted to go down in terms of the people that you work with? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, before I started the Pain Academy online program, I had a in-person private practice. And it was great. I loved connecting with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I loved working with them one-on-one. -on -one. But for me and all these people that came to see me, nothing really changed until there was a complete shift in ownership and responsibility of what are we actually trying to do here. And in my journey of trying to go through so many different kind of therapeutic modalities, trying to get better, 
you know, I look back on it and obviously hindsight really shows me a lot. But at the time when I was a young man, I thought just swiping a credit card and buying a really big appointment package with, you know, this therapist or this chiropractor or, you know, this acupuncturist or massage therapist, I, I thought just buying the sessions was okay. My work's done, right? Just got to show up now. I've done what I need to do. It, my body's in your hands now and you're going to heal me you are going to take care of me. And in a way, it was like every time I paid, I just washed my hands clean of what I had to do. For five years, I worked my way into a mountain of debt. And things didn't really change because I never looked at what my role in this relationship was. I never looked at what my role in this therapeutic process was. And you know, I, I, I always tell people, I, I don't know whether to tell them it took me five years to get better or it took me a matter of a few weeks because once I made that mental shift of, well, wait a second, I'm not doing the work outside of appointments. There's nothing else beneficial happening when the work is done, when I'm done seeing these professionals. It wasn't until I took responsibility and ownership that this is my body. Nobody can fix this for me. I've got to lead the charge here. Yes, I can use these other professionals for help, but I'm the one that has to lead this horse to the water, right? And if I'm not doing that, nothing's going to change. It took me five years to figure that out. And one of the main intentions of my business and the program and the method is to empower somebody from the get-go to have them know that this is your healing. You've got to participate in your own rescue here. Now, let me show you ways in which you can go do that. But nobody can do this work outside of yourself. And yeah. that that's the main driving point of why this program really works or also why it doesn't work if you're not ready to take on that full ownership. I think that is a huge mindset set. No, let's, um, I am just tongue tied today. Mindset shift, <laughs> a huge yeah. mindset shift that I have encountered kind of as I've grown from personal trainer into wellness coach is this idea that as a trainer, I really felt like the onus was on me to design the perfect program, you know, get my client to do it. And I put that in quotes. Uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to as a wellness coach, as a holistic practitioner, you know, I'm providing tools, I'm providing framework, but it is my client's decision-making and journey about what they're going through, what they're on about, because they're the expert on them. And it is one thing that I find really frustrating when I've done, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of physical therapy and acupuncture and Cairo and kind of every modality like you have, cause you're seeking healing. Mm-hmm. I now find it incredibly frustrating if a practitioner tries to tell me, just do this, like, do this like this. I'm like, that doesn't feel good in my body. Yeah, yeah, yeah you just don't understand. And it's like, mm, no, you don't understand. <laughs> because it's that, that codependent framing that I think doesn't really help people find themselves and find understanding and knowledge in a way that I feel like you've really tapped into. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Yeah, well, that, that codependency really shows up at the first start of this program, because it's all online. I'm not sitting in your living room with you. I'm teaching you what to do and what to listen for and how to feel your body and how to reconnect with what it's doing. A lot of people have a challenge at the start because, well, Vinny, what do you mean? H how do I know if I'm gonna do it right? Nobody's watching me. Nobody's observing exactly what I'm doing. 
there's that codependency of people not even being at a place where they can just do basic, gentle, simple motions and not being able to rely on their own ability to do so without a, another person watching them. And I'm all for professionals getting eyes on you and form correcting and helping teach you motion. But at the end of the day, you have to feel comfortable to drive this boat, to, to drive this process yourself. And until we can look at, am I relying on my coach, my trainer, my practitioner, or the expert? Am I relying on them to help facilitate a change? Or am I just offshoring all of the work to them and I'm not really building any skill set within myself to do the work that's needed? This program that I've created is to sever that codependency very fast. We've got to move back towards you do have the skill set, you do have the ability to do this. We just need to practice learning how to listen to the body and understand to be able to give the body what it needs outside of an outer authority, outside of somebody else telling you what you should be doing. This is about you learning what you need to be doing based on what your body's trying to tell you. And if things don't hurt, let's listen to that. And let's have you find a way through that in a very calm and gentle, simple way. So the next time in one year, five years, or 10 years, if you run into a painful movement issue, it isn't a panic, let me just go have somebody else tell me what's wrong with my body. It's, okay, I've been here before. I know what I need to do. I need to, I move, I need to do gentle motion. How can I work through this problem and find the way through it as opposed to not have any involvement at all? And you just run right back into the injury cycle all over again. I hear so many things in there, right? I hear <laughs> you are the expert on you. You are not broken, right? Like you can be provided a toolkit and a knowledge about yourself so that you can self-observe and then also create positive iterative feedback loops. Um, I, you know, I, I want to dive a little deeper into that. You know, this is better than fine. I'm Darlene Marshall. My, my guest, let's see if I can get it right this time, Vinny Crispino <laughs> from Pain Academy. And so we recently, you were recently did a little bit of work with me. Um, did I tell you how I hurt my back? I think this is actually kind of funny. No, I think it was just a, I'm in a little bit of a flare up. What's going on kind of a situation. Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what plogging is? I'm kind of obsessed with this right now. No. What is this? So it's a Dutch word, which is why it doesn't sound like an English word because it's not, <laughs> um, but it's, it's picking up garbage while you run. And so there's all this garbage, like I live in the middle of nowhere, the absolute middle of nowhere. And so along the fields, people will, it's all beer cans. People are having road, you know, road sodas and chucking them out the window and I hate it. Mm -hmm. So I'm out running with a, with a garbage bag and there's a can deep in a culvert and I reach way down to pick it up out of a ditch and click in my back. Can't, can't walk and have to walk the half mile home. <laughs> I mm. just like struggled to get home. And so then acupuncturist, chiropractor, massage, like everybody tried to help and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And the difference for me was that your approach was really subtle and very gentle. Um, and these other people were really trying to like force things back into place. And it was such a different shift where you even, I think, said in your message to me, don't come in with expectation. Just let me know how you feel after. Cause it wasn't the expectation that, Oh, I'm going to find whatever muscle is in spasm and we're going to hit it with the perfect thing. And then your SI is going to realign again. Like it was such a different experience of ownership and expectation than 
the force it into place paradigm. And I found it very effective. If you think about you are going on this run, you bend forward, you pick something up, your system's in a state of tension, right? All those therapy modalities you tried, they all have a purpose and a place. There is some val- uh, there's some validity in all of them. But when I sent you a very simple movement routine that you did by yourself, probably in the comfort of your own home, maybe living room or bedroom floor, wherever you did it, what was different about what I sent you is that it aimed to restore your movement through an internal mechanism. Okay, nobody was moving you for you. Nobody was manipulating your soft tissue for you. What I showed you to do was to relax your nervous system and then use your own nervous system to re-engage the muscular system. So we are talking about instead of hammering into the body with somebody else's hands or tools, you finding a way to resolve an internal issue internally. And that kind of mechanism, getting your own nervous system to re-engage and communicate with your muscular system is, and has been in my opinion and experience, the most effective tool, not only just for right now, but we're talking long-term too. If we can long-term give you something that helps you improve that neuromuscular communication, why would we need to go outside of ourselves? You have everything that you need. And when I tell people that you are the expert in the situation, people might not feel like an expert because you might not have a wall of certifications or degrees on the wall. But what I mean by that is you're the only one in your body that can feel what you can feel. You can try to articulate sensation to another human being, to another practitioner. You're probably only going to focus on that one key area that hurts, but there are millions of cells hardwired into your body that only you have access to from a sensory feedback perspective. If you can learn to listen to those and then stimulate your body, that's you being the expert. You can do what nobody else in this world can do for you. It You're equipped for it. It's in your central nervous system and it is freaking beautiful and brilliant and effective. Agreed. Strong agree. <laughs> Strong agree. Like button. Can you speak a little bit more about, I think you did effective job of communicating nervous system related to neuromuscular control, but I think there might be a level deeper there for the listener around not just an awareness of that information, but why calming the nervous system, getting into a down-regulated state, getting you know, why did it matter that I'm in my living room with my feet up on my couch, taking deep breaths? Yeah. Because I think that's an important part of it, that people are so addicted to being upregulated and, and busy all the time that if you don't experience it, you don't necessarily understand what we're on about. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to also enter this conversation through even NASM's CES protocols, right? NASM's CES protocol is great. It has a It has a brilliant structure to it, which is step one, inhibit. Step one of working with the body is inhibiting the nervous system. We have to calm down that neural drive. If you're in pain or if you just have, if you're an athlete, if you're working hard, 
if even if you have a really long, you know, uh, desk job, your body is kind of in this fight, flight, tension, stiff mode, we're exposed to stress all day long. And when there's movement problems or movement impairments and issues, it's not because our system's really relaxed and mellowed and at peace. It's because we are agitated, our, our tamed environments are leading to tense systems. So if we are going to create a change in the way somebody is moving and feeling, if we just give them work right away, step one, let's put somebody to work. We are just going to use the body that has the problem we're trying to fix. If you have, and this, this might help frame that a little differently. Let's say you have one really overactive hip. It is your dominant hip. It is the hip that you put the most weight in when you sit. It's the leg that you always shift your weight towards when you stand. It's the foot that has the most amount of time that spent is spent on the ground when you're walking or running. If you have that hip disparity, let's say your right hip is in significant over neural drive. If I give you hip exercises, they could be the best darn corrective exercises in the world, but you're just going to use that hip disparity. You are going to only recruit the nervous system at the level you're able to control it. And if your only ability to control the nervous system is with that problem, with that movement impairment, that asymmetry, we are just going to strengthen that problem. And maybe you might feel a little better for a little amount of time, but this is why people often feel that the stronger they get, the worse they feel because we're strengthening these movement problems. One of the key components that I teach people at the start of my process is not how to get to work. Let's not jump into intensity. Let's actually do the opposite. I'm going to show you how to rest first and then slowly show you how to work. We've got to look at rest and movement is the same coin. If we want to learn how to move better, we have to learn how to first rest better. And if we can do that, then if we can relax both those hips, then when I can slow you, give you a little bit of work, you are going to have such a greater capacity and chance at actually getting both hips to work together versus just barreling through it and giving you something really hard and intense because I want to show you how, how hard, you know, my method can be. No, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, I'm going to show you how it, it's an ego move, giving somebody intensity when you're trying to show them how to heal their body. It's an ego yeah. move. And then ego move doesn't serve you or them, right? Cause an injured client an injured student is not practicing at a higher level, right? That's, um, and, and there's layers here around mindset and outcome and what it is we're actually trying to accomplish. Uh, but you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall. My guest is Vinny Crispino, and we're talking about movement. We're talking about mindset. We're talking about postural alignment, and he is the founder of Pain Academy. And I hear this, you know, the cliche that keeps coming to mind is this less is more approach. And also that, you know, the body is carrying the legacy of a lifetime of movement patterns, right? And what I think I hear you describing is by taking it a level deeper, by teaching, you know, calm before intensity, by teaching subtlety and awareness, you're teaching that person to understand themselves better before they try to ratchet up 
which to me shows a, a maturity of practice and awareness that I think, I don't know if you want to speak to this. I know that I feel like having my injuries when I did led me on a path to understanding things at a level that then let me help others. And I hear that very much in your story as well. Yeah, this, this shows up a lot specifically when I work with professional athletes where well, they're professional and, and I'm going to reference one of the best kickers in the NFL. I worked with him on his uh, last season where he was ranked the number one kicker in the NFL. Here's a guy who has a significant amount of money behind his name. His body's performance is, is all backed by contracts. He has to perform and his conditioning has been so intense. Everything's always got to deliver. There's no off days. There's no rest days. He's got to be the best yet he could barely stand up and walk around. And when he first came to me, our very first day was, we're not going to move. We're going to lay down on the ground. And what that first session showed him was his attachment to intensity. No wonder why he was in pain. No wonder why he could barely move outside of just being able to kick a ball because he was only, he was always like a nail or a hammer looking for a nail. He was never trying to figure out how can I give this body some rest? How can I give it recovery to help combat this intensity? And one of the first concepts that I used to teach people at the start was our body's energy exists on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, we have intensity. We have the work that I think Nike always shows in their commercials. You know, people are sweating, they're on the ground, they put every bit of their being into that workout. Cool, that's great. That's one end of the spectrum. But the other end of the spectrum, this softness, this gentleness, this you trying to activate a parasympathetic response with your body and calm down your systems so you can rest, digest, and recover. That's the other end of the spectrum. And we're not spending time at all on this other end. Even the, the mainstream marketing, you know, the three most intense stretches to fix your hip problem, uh, you know, the world's most intense shoulder exercise. We're all trying to fix our mechanisms through this really intense end. And we're not taking a look at the other opposite end of that spectrum. And it's that other end of the spectrum, which is where some magic happens. But in order for you to be able to look at your movement problem and say, I'm going to fix this with gentleness is going to be more of your relationship with hard work. What are you conditioned to think is works? Do you have to feel something really intense? Is that where the value is for you? Do you only have to feel intensity to feel like you're getting your money's worth? When you work out, is that same relationship showing up? Whereas if you're not barely, you know, hobbling out of the gym because you're so sore, if you don't feel that soreness, do you equate that to a good workout? Or can you actually train yourself to leave the gym feeling like you had 20, 30 more sets in you? Is it okay to wake up not sore the next day after a workout and actually feel like you accomplished something that moves you towards your goals of health and fitness? It's learning how to dial back. That is where so many of us are going to find progress. And training for an ultra marathon, this is where this shows up for me. I can't do every run hard. I can't run every run 20 to 25 miles. It's not every run is at race pace. Discipline is not just showing up every day. Discipline is also being able to know when to pull back. 
and know when to give your body the slower, the easier recovery runs. It's knowing when to not go after PRs in the gym and try to get a really good pump. It's knowing how to kind of limit the intensity so you can show up again the next day. And this concept is one of the first things that I talk to people about because if we don't enter the world of corrective exercise with that understanding, we are always going to be searching for what is the most intense, the biggest, the baddest exercise to hammer out those tight muscles and wonder why we aren't getting better two or three years later because we actually haven't we haven't stopped the injury cycle. We've just allowed it to exist continually. Well, and also faster, right? You're saying like bigger hammers, but you know, drive that nail even faster. And it's just another, you know, I hear you describing this expression of intensity. And I want to tie it back to some other things that we've talked about because you used a phrase, you know, a, a bit ago in this conversation. Um, I think you said like our domesticated like movement or our domesticated like lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And with that domestication, I think comes this expectation of intensity, this ego that you've referred to, and that kind of like drive the nail harder mentality. And to me, all of that comes back to the question of like, well, what is it that we're actually doing here? Like, this is a wellness show. This isn't, uh, you know, your typical fitness show, because that's not really what I think people come here for, because it, the, the root is to well-being. And so to me, movement for well-being, actually, this is last week's episode, is a completely different lens than movement for aesthetic or performance. And mm -hmm. so if what I want, like, let's say it is performance, like you're training for an ultra and, and kudos and good luck on your ultra. Thank um, you. That if what I want is to be able to, and I would love to be able to run an ultra. If, if my EDS body could do an ultra, the gift. Um, but if that's what I'm on about, and I also am willing to accept that, okay, I've got a body, it works a certain way because that's my genetic gift then I've got to work with that, with an understanding of my physiology and a kindness and a respect for it instead of the mindset of, okay, time to beat this body into submission and then sleep tonight, do it again tomorrow. Because bodies don't work that way, but Instagram wants us to think that it does. They don't work that way at all. And, and I want to share a really interesting moment. This was, I, I think, working with the body is a long journey, right? It's a long progress and it has a process to it and it takes time. However, there are moments in that journey where there are these kind of big bang explosions of understanding. It's these, these spontaneous combustible moments that, that give us completely different new insight into the body. And I'll share with you that this was probably probably about four and a half years after I broke my back. So the fractures healed, herniated discs healed. The MRI showed no real reason why I should be in pain, yet things were just getting worse and worse. There was a spot on my left hip that was so tense. Angry is probably the only emotion or only way I could describe it. It was an angry left hip. And I hired this, this massage therapist slash energy worker to give me a massage. And she put her hands right over my left hip. She felt it immediately. It was just grizzled soft tissue from years of trauma. 
she didn't touch it. She didn't really manipulate the tissue, but she just whispered, Vinny, if it's okay, I want you to just say something. Hear me and say this. And she said, I'm sorry. Thank you. I love you. And please forgive me. I want you to say this as I put my hands on your left hip. And so I said these four phrases, I'm sorry, thank you, I love you, please forgive me. And I started crying and I felt my left hip soften. Now, mind you, this left hip had been a problem for years. I was trying to force my way into getting that left hip to move. I tried tearing the tissue, maximizing range of motion. The amount of pressure I tried to put into that left hip with a ball, a lacrosse ball, incredible amounts of force and nothing allowed me to relax that tissue until somebody asked me to be kind to myself. If you would have told me that kindness had a big part in healing my back, I would have laughed. I remember seeing my broken back on an x-ray. It was physical to me. Kindness had nothing to do with my broken back. What do my emotions have to do with a spine that shifted 21 degrees? Well, it turns out they had a lot to do with it. And nowhere in the healing process did I ever look at what was my relationship with my body when I tried to do exercise. Did I try to offer it kindness and love and support? Did I honor what it had been through? I was always trying to force it because I always felt broken. I was trying to snap things back into place. And so as you bring up the kindness word, it resonates deep within me because not a lot changed. I had access to all the same exercises, but the exercises didn't work until kindness entered the picture. And I was able to actually have a conversation with myself. It was almost like reparenting. I was injured. I felt life was at rock bottom. And instead of being hard and, and being really negative with my self-talk and almost kind of, uh, in a way, like mental bullying myself, like you can get better, look at what you can't do, you know, so the, the real negative self-talk, it's when I stopped that and showed myself a little compassion for understanding that I broke my back and I'm alive. Thank you, body, for getting me through this. I appreciate you so much for being able to get me back to that shore and to crawl across the beach and to hop in a car. Thank you for allowing me to crawl up my staircase and lay on the ground for six months. Thank you for allowing me to be around for the birth of my son. Thank you. I appreciate everything that you've done for me. And it wasn't until I showed that love that my nervous system started to actually change. Thank, thank you for the vulnerability to share that story mm. and that framing. I think so often we talk about the emotional relationship with the body in such detached and clinical terms. So it's a beautiful story. Um, you know, the, do you know the origin of the prayer she had you do? I then had to go look it up. Okay. So. <laughs> Cause I want to, well, I want to own so often indigenous practice is co-opted by the wellness space. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important for us to own as two Caucasians uh, in an affluent country and states uh, that the practice that Vinny is referring to is I'm going to do my best to not misrepresent this Hawaiian pronunciation. Ho'opono, ano'opono. 
uh, it's a traditional Hawaiian healing prayer um, that has is is truly beautiful, and I will not do a description of it justice, but I would greatly encourage anyone to go Google it and learn more about its origins, uh, because while I do think it's important to honor First Nations people when the wellness space brings in their practice, you know, we can use these tools as they become accessible to us, but we also want to recognize where these tools come from and, and that they have deeper cultural nuance than we might have accessible to us in our language to describe and honor them. That that ancient Hawaiian practice of, of forgiveness was, uh, that was one of those big bang moments. I, yeah. I had tried to just Western my way and bully my way into my body feeling better. And it wasn't until somebody showed me that there's another way to do this. And it's, it's beyond just movement and exercise. So thank you for calling that out. Yeah. I had a similar relationship to yoga and, and mindfulness and meditation training as I went deeper into my own studies. Um, this is the better than fine podcast. I'm the host, Arlene Marshall. My guest is Vinny Crispino. And, you know, for me, it, as somebody with EDS, I, Never expected to get to be an athlete again. I remember, I, I always called it the Amazon part of my brain. I thought that that Amazon part of my identity and who I was, that athlete part had had died. Like I thought she was gone and fought for years to get back to the performance place and, and was able to flourish there, but did it very much in the mindset that you're describing. Like I would white knuckle my way through things until mm -hmm. I was so hurt I couldn't move but I was making progress, not understanding that underneath that soft quotes progress was more harm, right? Was new patterns of scar tissue, new patterns of white knuckling, new patterns of ignoring my body um, until I got to places that I couldn't get back out of and had to learn a new level of appreciation and, and care that took me far afield <laughs> from what I had been taught in the fitness space. And I think, to your point, it's also this journey of, you know, we, we say like coming home or walking home. It's like coming back to yourself and learning new levels and aha moments and kindness. Um, and it's, and it's ongoing. And I think there's a lot more here that we could explore together. And I'd, I'd love to have you back on to talk a bit more about this emotional relationship to movement and to our movement patterns. Vinny, where can people find you and your work? That's a great question. You can find me at, <laughs> uh, you can find me at, at painacademy.net. That's my website. Uh, a lot of information is on there. A lot of articles to go read about. Uh, and also on social channels, just at Pain Academy. I like that you like you reacted as if you don't get that question every time you do an interview. That's why I left. Yeah. That's a, I don't um, even really know. <laughs> Yeah, where can people find me? Well, yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna also speak to your it, it's movement assessment toolkit. Did I get the title right? You got yeah. it. Um, so if you want to learn a bunch more about your own functional anatomy, how to consider your own movement quality, just think differently about your body. It's I did Vinny's movement assessment toolkit uh, before I got hurt, actually. And so the interesting thing was to look at my postural assessments before, and then I had this inciting injury, and then do comparison and go, oh, oh yeah, these things definitely existed before the injury. Uh, so it was interesting. So I try to, I really appreciate Vinny's approach. Uh, and so you get, you got my seal of approval. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, and we're going to 
leave it there. So I'm going to remind you as a listener, if you have gotten something out of this episode, please leave us comments, likes, subscribes. I want to hear from you so that I can get you more of the information that you enjoy and also that you want to learn from. If you want to find me, I'm on Instagram. I'm darlene.coach. You can shoot me a DM. It's the easiest way to reach me. And I'd love to hear from you. And thanks. Thank you.